0: Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build uh, the best wireless company around. Visit t for online services and local store availability. Writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. He's Josh Newman with us here on the big show. Hi, Josh. How are you?
1: Hey, boys. How's it going today?
0: Oh, man, it stinks, Josh. No college football up in the fall. I don't know, I don't know how any uh, person in this business or certainly a college football fan could be uh, overly thrilled today.
1: Yeah, no, not a good day, uh, not a good couple of days, not a good week, not a good month. Um, and here we are. You know, it's uh, it's sad and uh, borderline pathetic that things have gotten to this point where we could not get or we have not gotten COVID-19 under control, um, not just in sports, but just in general as a country, as a society. And part of that trickle-down effect is – Unfortunately, we will not be playing football on the West Coast at least not this fall. We will not be playing football
2: so Josh, first of all, let me compliment you on your work you've been doing uh working your tail off and good stuff all the way around so just wanted to give you a pat on the back on that <laughs> one but how is this going to fall out how How is this going to shake out are we are we really going to have like Half the conference is not playing, and half the conference is playing. Or do you think that there will be uh, an edging in one direction or the other uh, as time goes by?
1: That's a really great question. Uh, I don't think we, I don't think we know the uh, the answer to that yet. Uh, I don't think we have all the information yet to really answer that. Um, I think to that, look, as we know, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten will not play this fall. Uh, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, as of right now, on August 12th, they are pushing forward. They are planning to play. I think that really speaks to the fact that there really is nobody in charge at the top. There is no one to unify at least, you know, the Power Five conferences, one voice, uh, one person in charge of everything. Look, you have to remember, uh, people think college athletics. They think the NCAA. And that's fair. But the NCAA really doesn't have a ton of jurisdiction under college football, right? The conferences, uh, you know, the individual conferences run themselves. Uh, the people running the bowl system also have a big say. So there's a lot of voices. And this whole thing really just speaks to the fact that essentially nobody is in charge at the top. Um, if there was something to the effect of... You know, a commissioner of college football, Uh, maybe things would have played out a little more rationally, a little more reasonably. uh, But we have not gotten to the point where there can be one voice kind of leading this whole thing. And that has gotten us to this point.
2: You know, an example of that is that uh, USC's AD, what's his name, Mike Bone, is that what it is? Mm-hmm. He he says there's no way we could have looked at the data and come to a different conclusion. And then what do you have Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, saying, well, we're looking at the data and we're coming to a different conclusion? It's uh, it's really kind of a I, – I don't know where the truth is on that when people say those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, I am fascinated by that. I've been thinking about that a lot, honestly, over the last you know, 18, 24 hours is, look, the Pac-12 has a has a medical advisory board. All these conferences, right, they have medical advisory boards. And I find it fascinating that the Pac-12 doctors and the Big Ten doctors can look at this thing and they say, look, you cannot have contact. You cannot play tackle football in this environment. But as you said, there's, you know, the Big 12 and the other conferences, their doctors are seeing something completely different. I will say that... Um, I really feel that if these other Power Five conferences, if they ultimately do push forward and they do play this fall, they better better have some doctors out front answering questions from reporters about why they think that it's safe while the Pac-12 and the Big Ten don't. They really need to answer those questions.
0: Josh Newman with us from the Salt Lake Tribune here on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Josh, these uh, Zoom press conferences with Utah lately have been like drinking out of a fire hose. I mean, it seems like they go on for an hour and a half and so much is covered. But So I, I take this question whichever way you want to go, but what did we learn from Mark Harlan today?
1: Well, let me start off with I, I do think that Mark Harlan, when you look at the rest of the pac twelve. You know the leadership the decision makers I do really genuinely believe that Mark Harlan is more transparent than most of the pac 12 athletic directors there. Let me start with that. Um, the big news coming out of what Mark Harlan said is uh, the economic impact of this whole thing is catastrophic uh, he 's projecting a loss between fifty and sixty million dollars on what was a ninety one million dollar budget that is gigantic um, there is a real possibility that you know people get laid off uh, inside the athletic department. Maybe they cut the Olympic sports that don't make much revenue. We'll see. Um, beyond that, I mean, you know, some of the stuff he was able to answer, some of the stuff not. Uh, I think a lot of people on that call, myself included, were curious. What does the eligibility situation look like for fall athletes who are affected? Uh, that's going to be more kind of an NCAA decision uh, on what to do with the eligibility. Um, uh, you know, Mark Harlan reiterated that scholarships for those affected, you know, they're safe. You know, they're not going to, you know, take away scholarships and you know, and tell kids to go home. They're going to continue to take care of their student athletes. Um, so, you know, for everything. Even still, for everything that Mark Harlan was able to answer, there are still so many questions about so many different topics. Not just football. Uh, you know, I, I have questions about basketball. Uh, I have questions at the Pac-12 level. You know, can they can they get a basketball season together? Uh, is spring football a feasible option in 2021? If you do play football in spring 21. Are you then going to turn right around and start the 21 season on time in September? So, uh, look, this is only day one of the fallout, right? We're you know we're 24 hours into this thing. There's going to be fallout, you know, today, tomorrow, uh, weeks, months, and probably honestly, there's going to be fallout for years after the fact. When when you're talking about COVID.
2: So, Josh, you, you mentioned that uh, that Harlan said that. There was going to be this budget deficit. Uh, how is aside from people losing jobs or maybe sports being cut? Is there any money in reserve? Is there any any way to 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 minimize that those
1: kinds of drastic procedures? Yeah, that's a great question, Gordon. The, uh, the Pac-12 is is putting together some sort of I would call it a massive loan program. They are going to offer. Uh, there are 12 member schools. I don't have it right in front of me. I believe they're going to offer their member schools something around a maximum of 80 or 83 million dollars per school to to help make ends meet. Right? You're going to so if um, if Utah is looking at a 50 or 60 million dollar shortfall, Utah will have the option to go to the Pac-12 and to ask for up to 80 million dollars to help. Now. Um, obviously, the Pac-12 is, you know, is doing everything it can with this to help its members who are now looking at dire financial situations. Um, you know, a loan of that magnitude with a small interest rate stretched over a number of years would help not only the athletic departments but really these institutions at large. It would help them kind of, you know, stay the course and get through the next year, get through the next two years, and you're not going to have to make these. These really last-ditch decisions, right? You don't want to cut sports. You don't want to lay anybody off. So um, it's unclear right now if Utah will, will you know, will take that loan from the Pac-12. But if Utah did take that money, I think that would go a long way to, um, I don't want to say solve these problems, but um, you know, make things just a, a little easier on everybody.
2: And maybe you could limit your budget uh, in over the next five or six, seven years. And, uh, and and maybe cut some sort of normal spending uh, and save those
1: jobs? Yeah, no, normal things like, look, staying in a, you know, the football team staying in a hotel the night before the game, you, you know, things like that, you can get rid of that. Um, maybe the basketball team takes on more home-and-home home series where you're not paying uh, w- instead of paying, a team to come into the Huntsman Center for 90 or a hundred thousand dollars for one game. Look, the basketball team, just for next season, the basketball team has four sixty thousand dollars committed in guarantee games. Those are things moving forward that you could really you know try and do away with to save some money.
0: Josh, uh, a part of this story that you've been following closely, I know uh, is the or, excuse me, are those contracts and, and who's going to have to pay what? Uh, as we've kind of learned about it, it seems to me that, that these universities are kind of willing to, to operate in good faith, but you talk about those contracts. How do you, how do you see most of those being uh, resolved, or do we know?
1: Yeah, I really dove into that once, you know, once the football thing came around. You know, the football team was supposed to play uh, BYU, Montana State, Wyoming. You know, I started looking deep at those contracts and started talking to people. Just like you said, I think, I think if you're smart, right? If you're, if you're the athletic director at Montana State, an FCS program, and if you want to keep a good relationship with a place like Utah, a Power Five school. That's willing to pay you, you know, six hundred thousand dollars to show up here. You're not going to sue anybody. You're going to grin and bear it. You're going to you're going to act in good faith. And Mark Harlan has shown, you know, at least since I've been here, in the eight months I've been here, Mark Harlan has shown that he he is willing to work in good faith with any number of athletic departments and um, and decision makers. So. Ultimately, I, I think all these things are going to get rescheduled. I know that uh, the working relationship between the athletic departments at Utah and BYU—they have a strong relationship, despite the rivalry. You know, those games in football and basketball that'll get worked out. And you know, look, these smaller schools like Montana State and Wyoming—if they're smart, they're not going to sue anybody. They're not going to make any big waves. Or you know, everybody's adults. Everybody's trying to make a living. Everybody's trying to take care of their athletic department and they're student-athletes. So if everybody stays calm and has a little patience, uh, I do expect that all of these things, if not all, at least the vast majority of these things to get worked out.
2: Josh, you've seen in other conferences, the Big Ten and, and others, where certain coaches and athletic directors have acted like they want to go play regardless of what the conference is doing. Any uh, Anybody within the Pac-12 have that kind of impulse you, no matter how unrealistic it is?
1: No, it doesn't seem like anybody is really um, doesn't seem like anybody is really wanting to run away from the Pac-12. I think uh, I do think there is some semblance of unity uh, among the among the 12 schools, among the 12 coaches and programs. And um, and look, even if they did want to go rogue, let's say just. I'm making this up. Let's say Oregon wanted to go to the Big 12 for a year to get a season in. There's a lot of stipulations, and a lot of contracts. There's there's specific language uh, in TV contracts connected to the Pac-12 with Fox and, uh, you know, the Pac-12 network itself. And nobody's running anywhere, and I don't really see that happening, honestly, anywhere. I know that you're hearing things, we're all hearing things about the Big Ten and, you know, Nebraska and Ohio State, I don't see anybody going rogue, even for a year, because there would be a lot of problems with a lot of people for the long term that I don't think anybody really wants to take on right now.
0: Are you surprised Pac-12 coaches have been uh, vocal in the way that some Big Ten coaches have been? It's kind of a related question, I suppose, but we just haven't heard anything from the, the coaches in this league.
1: No, nah, I mean, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know that you have any of those, you know, Big, big, giant names—you know, guys like Ryan Day at Ohio State and Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I don't know if the Pac-12 has uh, very many outspoken coaches like that. And also, again, I think um, you know, I, I know that people like to crush Larry Scott for any number of reasons, right? But I, I do think that I do think that most of the Pac-12 coaches at least respect Larry Scott enough to not go rogue. And not open their mouths to the point where you are crushing your conference and crushing your commissioner's plan, and that's what the you know that's what the Big Ten coaches, that's what the Big Ten coaches did essentially, right? Kevin Warren at the Big Ten is a rookie commissioner. Uh, people think he jumped the gun with all all the decisions that he's made, and you know the guys that are making a ton of money, the guys that have a voice, guys like Harbaugh and Ryan Day and James Franklin at Penn State, they really they kind of took it upon themselves to. Uh, to say how they felt, so you know, I kind of gave a long answer there. But to answer your, you know, to answer your question, I'm not surprised that some of the more reserved voices inside the Pac-12 opted not to do what the Big Ten did.
2: Jake, nobody around here would ever criticize Larry Scott, right? <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I've been here eight months. Uh, I haven't heard very many positive things about Larry Scott. And uh, yeah, look, there's there there's reasons to be skeptical about the big 12 uh not the big 12 excuse me the pac 12 plenty of reasons to be skeptical of larry scott i i think it was good that that the pac 12 coaches did not kind of again go rogue and go off on their own and just kind of give their opinion i think that was a smart play by them to not do anything
2: how one question i wanted to get back to as far as the scholarships go josh uh how does that work if you're going to let's say there's a bunch of guys who would have been seniors this year, but they want to stick around and they're not going to lose their scholarship or their eligibility. How does that work with incoming recruits and how many scholarships will end up being awarded?
1: Yeah, I think now that we've kind of established what the economic impact is going to be, uh, at least in my mind, I think the eligibility stuff, the scholarship stuff, that's really the next big thing, at least in my mind, that has to get ironed out. Look, like you just said, there's you know, there's a bunch of seniors. Utah, I count 17 seniors on Utah's roster. Uh, some of them are are starters. Uh, Jake Bentley, who who is the presumed starting quarterback, he's a senior. So, how that's going to work between bouncing uh, these seniors, uh, the incoming freshmen in 21, uh, what the scholarship, you know, what the allowable scholarship count is. That's going to be, you know, an NCAA matter, and they're going to, you know, they're going to mandate what they're going to do. Uh, but we just don't know yet. That's, you know, as I said, that's really, to me, right now, that's still the really, really big, immediate, short-term question. You know, what you do with the scholarships.
0: Josh, we appreciate you jumping on with us, man. Keep up the good work. I
2: appreciate hey, Josh, you. guys. Thank you, Josh. I have one more question for you. Yes, sir. You, you spent a lot of time covering uh, various teams back east. Before you came here, How, how's the uh, how's the situation, the circumstances out here different than it was back there? Aside from the COVID-19, game, yeah. which has been quite the uh,
1: anomaly. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a you know that's a tough one because you, you got to remember I showed up here in early December, towards the end of the season, didn't have a lot of time with the football team. Uh, then we had spring football. You know, we got three spring practices in. Then it all got canceled. I'm not getting any games to cover this fall, but just you know, from what I've seen in terms of the dynamic of the athletic department out here versus you know, I used to cover Rutgers once upon a time. Uh, I have experience at Seton Hall, uh, some smaller Division One schools in the Northeast. Uh, I think it's pretty mellow out here. Uh, You don't you don't see a lot of at least from what I've seen. I haven't seen a lot of you know, big heavy money-fueled politicking inside the Utah Athletic Department. I think there's a lot of good people working there, Mark Harlan included. Uh, people in the Athletic Communications Office have been have been very mellow about things. So um, it doesn't feel like the super-duper high-pressure situation that we all paint Power 5 Athletics to be, right? It, you know, we all think, or not everybody, but you know, maybe the common fan kind of views major college football, right, as win at all costs, and the student athletes aren't really students. I'm not getting that type of vibe in Salt Lake City. That it's just win, you know, just win at all costs. It's been uh, it's been a nice change of pace from from my previous work life i'll say that
0: you know josh on a personal note real quick before we let you go yeah. uh it, you know given uh, where you've come from the Delhi capital of the world and <laughs> seeming to be a Delhi sandwich connoisseur i was excited <laughs> when you I, I saw your approval for feldman's the best sandwich in town
1: oh man i've only been to feldman's twice i wasn't eating out much during the pandemic but feldman's is uh feldman's is top quality, um, and I, I, I will be going back once this thing calms down a little bit more. We appreciate you, Josh. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Appreciate-
0: In fact, uh, Gordon, you and I have had lunch at Feldman's before. We have. It's a, we have. It's a terrific sandwich. Just terrific.